Chapter 21 of Harry D. or Making It Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Charlotte Rose. Harry D. or Making It Out by Francis J. Finn. Chapter 21 In which Tom Playfer and Percy Wynne come to Tip's rescue. Tip received us with enthusiasm and made a place for Tom and Percy beside himself. "'What are you fellows up to now?' asked Tom. "'We were just talking about the way we worked Auber this morning,' volunteered Broadhead. "'It was a pretty good joke, anarchist, all except the locking out business,' commented Tom. "'And of course you did that. It's like you to think that standing out in the cold is funny. I am told, said Harry Quip, that when the anarchist was at home his father, in order to make him laugh, used to read him all the explosions, murders, and railroad collisions out of the papers. And it seems that the more killed there were, the more anarchists laughed. That's a fact, said Tip. And when other boys were taken to a pantomime, anarchist's papa used to take him off to see the pigs killed. One day, after seeing a thousand pigs done up, anarchist got to laughing so hard that he nearly died of it. Oh, look here now. If you fellows get to poking fun at me like that, I'll go away. Heavens, ejaculated Quip. He calls this fun. Yes, and I'll end the joke by throwing you over the fence, snarled Broadhead. Wouldn't it be nicer if you were to make his nosebleed, anarchist? Said the suave Percy. The blood might remind you of old times. Broadhead made a dash at Percy and aimed a blow which would have considerably marred my friend's beauty had not Percy, by a quick movement, escaped it. The fence-paling awaited Broadhead's fist. And the next thing we knew, Percy was bandaging Broadhead's hand as though they were inseparable friends, at the same time apologizing profusely for the words he had just uttered. You needn't be so mad, anyhow, anarchist, added Tip. You ought to know how to take a roasting just the same as the rest of us. That's so said the chorus. By a happy accident, Quip had taken a good step in making fun of Broadhead. Tom saw there was a point to be gained and followed it up. And even Percy, who studied to offend no one, had deliberately continued the teasing for the one purpose of lessening Broadhead's influence with the crowd. Broadhead, by losing his temper, had helped them in their purpose in a few moments he had lost the prestige gained by three or four weeks' hard endeavor. So, continued Tom, you were talking about the surprise party you gave Mr. Aubert this morning. Is that all? No, we're getting up another surprise party for tomorrow. He'll run his hands through his hair till there won't be any hair left to run him through. What's the scheme, Dodger? asked our spokesman. 
It's not completely hatched out yet, but it's going to begin this way. Tomorrow afternoon's a half holiday, and there's the privilege for all to go out walking if they get permission. Of course, most of us can't go, because the prefects won't allow fellows out who are not on the conduct list. Well, we're going to get permission anyhow. How will you do that, Artful? queried Quip. Why, this way. We'll wait till Mr. Middleton goes to dinner at a quarter to one. Then the whole crowd of us will get together by the pump and begin whispering and monkeying as though we were up to some mischief. Of course, Mr. Auber will get rattled right off and he'll come over to see what's going on. Now, just as soon as he's very near us, two of our fellows, who are on the good conduct list, will go up to him and say, Mr. Ober, will you please let us go out? Of course he will say yes, or something of the sort. Then those two will give a whoop and say to all of us, Hurrah, fellows! Mr. Ober said we can go out. Then the whole crowd of us will give a lot of whoops and scoot out of that yard, as hard as we can put. And before Mr. Auber can tell a single one of us that he didn't mean the permission for any except the two who asked, we'll be clear out of sight. That's about as cheeky a thing as I've heard in long time, observed Quip. Is it? exclaimed Tip in delight. And it's clever too, added Tom. Do you think it will work, Tom? Yes, on one condition. What's that? On condition that you fellows all back each other up by the tallest kind of lying. Tip's jaw dropped. I don't like that. We dodgers have kept out of straight lying so far. And of course you're not going to begin now, added Percy. Then there's another thing too. Aren't you boys imposing on Mr. Auber too much? He lets you off so easily. I've heard it said that he can't bear to punish a boy. That's a fact, put in Tip promptly. He gave me fifty lines for talking in ranks, and we were at it for a week and then he let me off. But as sure as you're born, when I got to thinking about it, it looked as if he had been punished and I had all the fun. There's another thing, put in Tom. Mr. Auber doesn't believe in punishing if he can avoid it. But if you fellows keep on, he might start in wholesale. He's a timid man and very kind. But if he gets on the warpath, the anarchist will have a chance to snuff blood. You just leave me out of this Sunday school meeting, growled Broadhead, rising from his seat and walking off. Whereupon the boys, following time to his footsteps, whistled, with zeal and propriety, the rogue's march. The fact is, fellows, said a boy whose face was noticeable for its good nature and decided squint, we've been a heap too hard on Mr. Auber. That's so, assented several. In fact, said another, we've been mean. He's always been very kind to us. The boys of rhetoric class, put in Percy. 
say that he's the most wonderful man they ever met. They say that when he gets started in class, he talks like a book. And when he warms up to a subject, he becomes really eloquent. His timidity all goes, his eyes flash, and he talks like an orator. He's a poet, too. And the leader of the class said that Mr. Ober was the nearest thing to a genius that he ever met. All the same, pursued Harry Quip, we treat him as if he were nobody. The conversation soon became very general, and quite a number who had feared to express their sentiments in the presence of Broadhead now came out strongly in favor of Mr. Ober. There were several close observers among the Dodgers, and it was astonishing to hear all the little traits of kindness and consideration they had noticed in their prefect during the preceding three months. And yet, said Percy, Mr. Auber thinks you're all down on him, and one of his class told me today that he felt he'd have to give up prefecting as a bad job. Talking about giving him a surprise party, said Tom with great animation. It just now occurs to me that we can kill two birds with one stone. We can give him a surprise and at the same time show him that we like him. What's your scheme? asked Tip. Why, suppose we club together and get him a present, and you, in the name of the Dodgers, make the speech. For a moment there was silence. Tom's move was certainly bold. Here's two dollars, Tip. It's every cent I've got, continued Tom. And if I had more, I'd give it. Immense, cried Tip. I've only got fifty cents and I owe fifty-five, but in it goes. And Tip put his money with Tom's into his cap and when he made the rounds, there wasn't a boy there who had a cent left. By the way, said Quip, there's a rule in the college forbidding the boys to give presents to any of the professors. The Dodgers don't mind the rule, more or less, observed Tip with a grin. Yes, but Mr. Albert does. He won't take your present. Suppose we get permission from the president suggested Percy. Yes, Percy, said Tom, who was helping Quip count the money. You and Tip and Harry D. go up and ask him why I'll count these nickels. We were off at once. The president was seated at his table, poring over a bit of paper. He started on seeing who we were and with an effort smiled. I could see at once that he was disturbed about something. Father, began Percy, we'd like to make a present to one of the teachers. It's not allowed, Percy. I thank you in his name for your goodwill. But, Father, it is not exactly to a professor, but to a prefect we want to make it. Oh, indeed. Mr. Middleton is already assured of your goodwill, and I... Excuse me, Father, we're talking with Mr. Auber. The president sat bolt upright. What's that? The artful Dodgers, father, want to give Mr. Ober a present. 
The smile upon the president's face was no longer forced. He took the paper over, which he had been pouring and tore it into small bits. The artful dodgers? He repeated. Yes, sir, put in Tip. It will do us good, sir, if you give us permission. The artful dodgers, answered the president, may give anything they like to Mr. Ober. I wonder what that paper was, exclaimed Tip as we started for the yard. So do I, said Percy. I never forgot that paper. And seven years later I learned from the president himself that it contained reasons pro and con for expelling Tip. Just as we knocked at his door, he had determined to expel Tip on the morrow as being a promoter of disorder. Well, said Tom when we had announced the result of our petition, we've got just $19.75. Pity we can't make it 20, sighed Tip. Of course we can, said Quip. What's the matter with anarchist? That's a fact, cried Tip. Boys, we'll make the anarchist fork over or we'll kick him out of the gang, eh? There was a unanimous chorus of assenting voices. Five minutes later, Broadhead had resigned, and 25 cents were still wanting. Then Tip went to the washroom and brought out his baseball bat, which was the envy of every boy in the small yard. Tom had offered him a dollar for it, Percy a dollar and a quarter, but Tip loved that bat and had said that money could not buy it. And now he got permission to go to the large yard. He returned presently without the bat and handed Tom a quarter. There's the twenty dollars, Tom. And when the boys heard of Tip's most epic sacrifice, they were dumb with admiration. Tip was the hero of the hour, and he retired to bed that night the most popular boy, for the time being, in St. Moore's, and, I verily believe, the happiest that ever laid head upon a pillow. Tip had a good heart. End of chapter 21